When I was seven years old, my family called us together, and they gave us the news. We were going to have a baby. And I was pretty excited about this because, well, no offense, but I had two younger sisters, and I was hoping a baby brother balanced the family out a little bit This could be a really good deal for me, so I couldn't wait. And when it came time for my mom to go to the hospital, she said that my sisters had to go and stay with my aunts. And then she looked at me and she said, Tom, I don't see why not. Why don't you just stay home with your dad? Two guys hanging out. We got a pile of dirty dishes going in the sink. It was a work of art. And then every night, we made popcorn. And it was my job to put the butter on the popcorn. And every night, I'd try to sneak a little extra butter on the popcorn. And one night, I got it just right. My dad went upstairs to change, and while he was up there, I put one stick of butter on the popcorn. It was dripping through your fingers, just the way I liked it. My dad took one look at that popcorn, and he said, Tom, if we bring that into the living room, and we get grease on your mother's couch... Two guys are going to become two pieces of dead meat. And then he said, I think we should go to the beach. My father says strange things. You just stand back and watch. He went to the closet. He gets out the family beach towel, and then he puts it down in the hallway. He gets the TV going in the living room, He puts the popcorn in the middle of the towel, and now we sit out on the towel, kind of like we're at the beach, having popcorn, watching the TV. Now, this was back in the old days, back when the screen was really small and black, white, and boring. But it didn't matter, because I was hanging out with my dad. We're talking and carrying on. And then the phone rang. My dad got up, and he picked up the phone, He talked for a second. He seemed to get sad, and then he hung the phone up. And I said, Dad, what happened? And he said, Oh, um, nothing, uh, nothing. It's going to be fine, Tom. Uh, uh, Tom, I'm going to take you to your aunt's house for a couple of days. And then he packed me up, and off I went. And I ended up staying with my Aunt Ellen for about two weeks, And all the while, she was on the phone. And I kept saying to her, what's going on? And she said, nothing, Tom. And then one day she said, Tom, you're going to go home. And I said, Aunt Ellen, is it a boy or a girl? What happened? And she said, it's a girl, Tom. But Tom, when you go home today, please just do your best to go easy. I didn't know what she was talking about. I got to the house. I went running up the stairs, and I ran into the living room. 
My dad was there. My sisters were back. My mom was there. And I started looking around the living room for the baby, but the baby wasn't anywhere. And my family sat us all down and said, We have a little sister, and her name is Margaret, but that something had happened. And that Margaret had something called cerebral palsy. I didn't know what that meant. And I started asking questions, and they said it meant that she might not be coming home from the hospital. And if she ever did come home, she'd always have to be in a wheelchair. And I kept asking questions, and they said, well, maybe someday she could walk, but she'd be all grown up, and she'd always have to have braces, and she'd always have crutches. And then they said, Tom, just stop, go upstairs, and try to be quiet for a while. I went upstairs to my room. I felt terrible. All I could think about was the baby at the hospital all by itself. Well, we waited, and then we got the word. Margaret was going to come home. And on the day that my parents were going to go pick her up, they told me to go upstairs and put on the suit with a little bow tie and this tiny hat for my head. And then they said that I had to stand by the doorway, but I couldn't go out and play because I could, like, wreck the suit. And they left for the hospital. My aunts and uncles show up. They've got all the food, but I can't eat because I could spill stuff all over myself. And I just stood out there on the porch, and I waited. And then I looked down the street, and here comes our car. It was this old gray Plymouth. It was a kind of car back then. And I'm up on the porch, and I'm looking down, and I can see right into the front seat. And there's my dad and my mom, and in my mom's arms, there's a pink bundle. It's the baby. I'm going to get to see her, and I'm going to be the very first one. I start down the stairs when, behind me, I could hear all of my aunts thundering down the hallway Well, I wanted to be polite, so I opened up the door, and my aunts went thundering right by me. They gather round my mother, and my mother brings the baby into the living room, and now everyone jams in there, and I'm left out in the hallway, all by myself, and I just don't fit. And then, as luck would have it, my great-aunt Tess got up, to go into the kitchen and make tea. My great-auntess is the scariest woman I have ever known. She was so terrifying that whenever she walked into a room, people just got out of the way. Well, she comes back towards the living room with her cup of tea, and I got in behind her. I grabbed her by the waist and started steering her around the living room, people leaping out of the way, until we were over in front of the crib. I sent my Aunt Tess back to the couch, because now I was in the front row. I looked in there. I could see the baby. I put my finger in there, and the baby grabbed right onto it. And then she looked right at me with those little pink gums, and she gave me this great big grin. I was feeling fabulous until my Aunt Ellen leaned over and said, Oh, look, 
The baby has gas. I said, no, she doesn't. She likes me the best. My mother leaned over and said, Tom, do you like your little sister? And I said, yeah, Mom, I, I do. I, I really do. But Mom, Mom, I think you picked out the wrong one. My mother said, why would you think that? And I said, because, Mom, look, there's nothing wrong with her. My mother said there was something wrong with her, just it was on the inside. I looked. I didn't see anything wrong with her at all, but I did start seeing something wrong with my mother. My mother was worrying all the time. Don't get drafts on the baby. Don't get dust on the baby. When we used to go out, she'd wrap the baby up like a birthday present. One day, she was getting the baby ready to go out and putting on the booties. She jumped back and said, her legs, look at her legs. Oh, her legs, they're swelling, they're swelling up. And my mother ran for the telephone. I looked in the crib. Margaret's legs were puffy and stuff. My mother got on the phone and she called up our doctor, Dr. Frank. And this was back a long time ago, back when doctors used to really just come to the house and we stood out in front, and the doctor comes roaring up, and I actually like Dr. Frank a lot. I mean, I know he gave me shots and all, but he was the coolest kid doctor because he was my size. I mean, he was tiny. You could look him straight in the eye. He goes running in. He looks in the crib, and he says, I don't believe this. I'm watching, and he reaches in, and he unties the booties, and the legs start to go back down again. And then he turned to my mother and said, Marion, you tied her booties too tightly. My mother started crying, said she just couldn't take this anymore. But the doctor said, Marion, calm down. You're not going to hurt the baby. My mother never calmed down. But Margaret, she got to be one, and she got to be two, and she started crawling. It was then I had to admit something was wrong because Margaret's arms, they moved fine, but her legs didn't move a lot. But like I already told you, she did like me the best. And I know because whenever I was in a room, she'd crawl in there to be with me. She'd grab onto my pants or try to get my socks off, which is cute. But one day... I was ten, and she was three, and I was in the dining room working on the big science project, and it was due. Margaret crawled in under the table and started pulling on my pants, trying to get my socks off, which is cute, I know, but I was busy, and for the very first time, I just lost it. I started screaming, Margaret, I'm sick of you. Go bother other people. Get out of here. Leave me alone. And then I went back to work. It didn't take more than a minute or two before I felt awful. I looked around the room to find her, and she was sitting on the other side of the room with her back against the wall, just glaring at me. As she looked at me, and I looked at her, 
She kind of smiled a little bit and then started to push with her feet. I was watching, and she slowly pushed herself up the wall until she was standing. Now, remember, she's not going to walk. She's probably going to be in a wheelchair all of her life. I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and a foot comes out, and she takes a step, and then a second step, and a third step, and she's walking. Ma! Margaret's walking, Ma! Margaret's walking, Ma! I go running out into the kitchen. My mother was ironing. I said, Ma, Margaret's walking in the dining room. Come on! We go running in there, and we look. And now, Margaret is just sitting on the floor. My mother said, Tom, did you think I would laugh, Tom? Did you think this would be funny? Tom, I already told you she's not going to walk. You don't make a joke about something like this. You keep talking like this. You're going to break my heart. And then my mom started to cry, and she ran out of the room. I looked at Margaret, and Margaret smiled at me. And that went on for three weeks. Every time we were alone, Margaret would push herself up the wall and walk. Every time I tried to run out of the room to tell somebody, she'd sit back down, look at me, and smile. I finally said, Margaret, I don't care anymore. I don't care if you take tap dancing lessons. I will never look at you again. That got her up. She started walking towards me when I looked over her shoulder. My parents were standing there. My parents started screaming, She's walking! She's walking! Well, you might notice, I'm still a little upset. Because no one believed me. I used to stop the story here, but everyone had questions. So, I'll fill you in. Margaret is now all grown up. Her cerebral palsy was mild enough that she was actually able to go to school. She can walk. She even went to college. Oh, she struggled, but she did it. And then she got out of school, and she got a job. But I always thought that my sister Margaret was probably the loneliest person I ever knew, because there was no one in her life for her. And then one night, my telephone rang. I picked it up, and it was Margaret. And Margaret said, Tom, are you coming home to Boston soon? I said, Margaret, I'll try, but I'm on the road a lot these days. And she said, Tom, I met somebody, and I want your approval because I think he's going to ask me to marry him. The big brother and me took over. I said, Margaret, I will be home this weekend. I went home to meet them. His name is Stephen Thomas. He has a handicap as well. And they are so in love, it's nauseating. He's a nice guy. I said, sure, and he proposed to her. And we said to my sister, 
what did she want for her wedding? And my sister said, I want to walk down the aisle, and I don't want help. My sister still falls every so often, and when she does, you have to just rush her to the hospital. Her knees are completely worn out. Well, it's what she wanted, so we did our best to plan. We made sure that her shoes were flat so she wouldn't tip over, got the dress cut a little high so she wouldn't catch a toe. No white piece of paper down the aisle. She might slip on that. And that's as much as we could do. We went to the front of the church on the day of her wedding, and we waited. She wouldn't even take my father's arm. Down the aisle she came, holding on to her flowers. And she made it to the front of the church. And then, in the middle of the service, she had to stand up. And as she stood up, she lost her balance. And every person in my family, the instant she lost her balance, we all did exactly the same thing. We threw both arms out like we could catch her, but she was too far away. We just had to watch. Margaret lost her balance for just a second, and then she caught it again, and she didn't fall. And the service was over. And down the aisle, the two of them go, and she made it. She didn't fall over. Well, now it was time for the reception. And at the reception, the bride and groom have their dance, and we all got in a great big circle around them. And as the music started, and they started to dance together, I lost it. I started crying. And then I got embarrassed because I thought everybody would be laughing at me. I wiped away my tears and I looked. It was then that I realized no one could see me. The two of them, they were looking at each other. And every other person in the circle was crying so hard they couldn't see a thing. Because if you had told us on the day that she came home from the hospital... Someday you'll see her dance at her wedding. We would have thought you were being mean because we thought she would never even walk. The story I just told you is absolutely true. It's about my sister, Margaret.